everybody. Welcome to the Ringing Ear Podcast, the show about music brought to you by KillBoringMusic.com. KillBoringMusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. I'm Joby, writer, photographer, dad, former record store clerk, and editor-in-chief at Kill Boring Music. With me, as always, my co-conspirator, my cohort, my co-host, the Rhea Perlman to my Danny DeVito, Jeff Nail. <laughs> uh, head senior critic at Kill Boring Music. Our aim this week, as it is every week, is to act as your guides through all genres. May they be familiar or foreign, nostalgic to your lesser tendencies, or new and different and therefore threatening to your fragile <laughs> middle-aged ego, if you are in fact middle-aged. Either way, we are here to share our passion for song, chronicle our continuing obsession with music, even through these, the declining decrepit years of shitty middle age because above all else our goal is to help you the listener avoid boring music because jeff what do we do with boring music we chop it in half and watch the blood spill from its mouth ah classic indeed (laughs) this is a very special episode of the ringing ear this is our metal episode part two that we are Kind of uh, saving for a rainy day, I guess you could say. It's it's one when you hear this, you'll know something out of the ordinary has happened. We have fallen gravely ill. We have. If you're hearing it. this, we are dead. We are either <laughs> dead or on the toilet, wishing we were dead. We are mm-hmm. uh, something bad has happened. We're missing a show for some reason. So uh, if you hear this, wish us well because we need your thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. And we don't even know what we're calling this yet. No. Uh, the other one was the heaviness of our youth. So this would be the, the I don't know. The heaviness of our adult years. The adult years. The, the yeah, something like that. So, um, the, and, and roughly we're picking this up around the turn of the millennium at around 2000. So how old would you have been in 2000? I was uh, 23. Two and, okay. and and yeah, just in case, um, I, I imagine a lot of people didn't listen to our first uh, metal episode, which was also a bonus episode because we aired it when you were, I don't know, you're doing some stupid shit. Well, oh, yeah, your wife gave birth. That's yeah, right. that's right. Uh, uh so but uh, just for those people who haven't heard, it's kind of a loose conversation. We 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 don't stick to the format quite so closely. And uh, I think I referred to this a, a moment ago as uh, a, it's kind of like a, a two man circle jerk. Yeah, about, basically. Um, and it's in no way, a, you know, a primer, uh, you know, for the history of heavy metal or anything like that. It's just what we like, what we've discovered along our journey, you know, what we found that we kind of gravitated towards that sort of thing. Uh, so there's definitely going to be some bands left left off. You know, we're not going to touch on everybody. Yeah, this is not all inclusive. This is, um, if any, I'd say if it's if if more than anything, this is an autobiographical journey. Uh, where it's almost a confession, I guess, in certain points, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. definitely. Just what uh, what spoke to us, what got us interested, kept us interested, because uh, there were gaps there, especially for me, where uh, I was not in, in entranced, entrenched in uh, in the, the metal. Music and actually, it's kind of about where I found myself around 2000, where we're picking up here. Well, let me ask you: This is I was actually uh, uh, equally excited about this one as I was the first one because the first one, you know, that's all our formative stuff. That's our Slayers and our Helmets and and, and those bands and mm-hmm. and um, but this this I I actually am really interested in on kind of a psychological level, like. You know, because the problem with a with a genre like metal is that it's so easy for people to grow out of, 
uh, even if they're really entrenched into it in their younger years. And I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I definitely had some years where. I was too busy listening to I don't know the White Stripes or something where it was I was I kind of went middle of the road in my in a part of my 20s and it actually wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really picked up in earnest uh I dove back in and and for that I kind of want to pat myself on the back because I don't think a lot of people our age do that. You don't think they come back to metal once they've left it? No, I I think they stick to their old favorites. I don't think they look for new stuff, you know. Yeah, that's a shame. Am I, am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what anybody else does because I'm <laughs> I'm a freak. But uh, yeah, that's just sad. I think that's true, really, in, with a lot of a lot of music. You know, people just uh, that's why everyone always thinks that no music was no good music came out after you know their era. It's kind of like with because they you know, stop looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they they're just happy to listen to their comfort you know comfort music, and that's about it. Um, and with me, I think what happened it actually happened around maybe the late nineties. Uh, I had never been a real eclectic listener up until then. I would, I would really just binge on one thing and then move on to the next thing rather than rotate a lot of stuff. And yeah. Especially being in like, you know, bands and stuff. I was listening to that kind of music exclusively. And I think I just got burned out on metal and, and punk to that, to that extent. And so uh, once the bands kind of dried up, I just kind of gave it all a rest and listened to some other stuff. I started getting into like roots rock and rockabilly and some indie rock, just, you know, switching it up a little bit. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was quite a few years before I heard anything again. And you know, part of this, I, f- I kind of feel like I can excuse a good, you know, I have a pretty good excuse for for skipping, say, I don't know, metal in '99 through 2001 at least, because a lot of it was terrible, uh, you know. And, and I don't mean to sound like one of those guys we were just shitting on about look, we stop looking for new music. I didn't stop looking for new music, but I did stop looking for new metal because I, I did kind of feel silly, <laughs> you know, listening to something like that. I don't know why. Uh, even though I would listen to certain amounts of of hardcore or punk rock or post rock or, or post punk, you know, all, all those things were sort of part of it, but never all the way to the apex of noise being heavy fucking metal. I, I never, except for occasionally touching on it, and then usually it was an old favorite like White Zombie or, or Helmet or something. I uh, I didn't really look for it because I didn't think it was going to be any good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, but I was, I, I'm glad to say that I was mostly wrong. I think we're going to touch on some good stuff today because I, I would argue that the stuff I'm talking about personally today is probably as good as the stuff we talked about the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And and I think we're going to have quite a bit of uh, crossover. There's not a whole lot that uh, we differ on. Metal is probably where we share the most common ground. I would say it's our, our, most of our friendship is based on this genre. I would, I might, I dare I say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, l- let me ask you. Let's let's just fast forward to. Well, let's let's take a look back because mine is actually my first. The first band I want to talk about actually, the album I talk I'm talking about came out in the mid '90s. So, do you want to start there? Mid '90s. Okay, we can do that. I mean. And the reason I, I'm letting myself get uh, off the hook about this is because I didn't fully appreciate it until much later. I think I liked it in 96 when it came out, but it wasn't until about 2000 that I really realized how amazing it was. And this is um, Sepultura. And uh, you've talked about Sepultura on the show before, um, but you're probably more, you probably yield more to the Chaos AD 
Arise years? Is that your, kind of your favorite era for them? Uh, KSAD for sure. Uh, Arise and Beneath the Remains I think are good, but it was really KSAD when they kind of found their own, you know, their okay. their real calling. And from there, well, for the next couple albums, I think was probably their their biggest strengths. I, I discovered Roots working in the record store. And it, 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 I don't think I had ever listened to Sepultura before 1996. I know that probably sounds weird to you. Um, but but that just the album cover was so striking, I had to give it a listen. And, you know, it, it's it's something to behold because it's, in case people don't know, this is Brazilian heavy metal. And um, and where, where they, they had kind of been... Uh, what a thrash band prior to chaos ad yeah they really shifted to a slower tempo here and there or a groove metal model and and in 1996 with roots that that idea kind of really fleshed it, itself out and uh and this is an infinitely heavier record than anything that came before it in my opinion you know the just the percussion alone is it was a, was amazing but like i said i think i just treated this as like well that's noisy enough i'm in a bad mood i'll listen to this mm-hmm. i didn't really give it any kind of credence you know i didn't think oh this might be brilliant you know i it's weird how i looked down on metal even when i was you know 20 <laughs> you know? right so do you like this album oh yeah yeah i i uh, just about wore this album out when it when it came out I was yeah, I was really happy you with did. this album. I mean, they touched on some of their Brazilian uh, influences on KSAD. They had a, a song uh, or two that oh, you yeah. know, really embraced it. But uh, but when Roots came out, there was really nothing like it. Um, that really had such yeah. a kind of a world music sort of feel to it. All you know, with the metal and it, it sounded so uh, organic. You know, it wasn't like they forced it. It really worked. You know, on its on its own, it was really cool. This is a catharsis that had not really been seen very often in the mid 90s roots bloody roots has a really simple guitar progression but it just devastates uh with cavalera's vocal performance and the and the percussion arrangement it's it's just a trip I think it would be um, pretty easy to dismiss this if you're not a metal fan. You know, it it does sound kind of mook, mookish. Is that am I using that word right? Mookish. You know, it's, it's it's well, it's you know, it sounds dumb. It's it sounds one dimensional. I'm just talking about on the surface. You know, right. it's hard for people to get past all the yelling, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and I feel like that's kind of an American thing too, though, because you know what I found very interesting about my picks is a lot of them charted everywhere but here <laughs> like this this for example charted significantly this single in finland sweden and the uk and i mean like like at least to number 13 or 12 or something uh-huh. you know it's it, and there's no way roots bloody roots touched billboard right when yeah. it was out you know i find that very very curious 
Hmm. Well, you know, we one thing I was thinking about listening to that clip, we when we touched on uh, Chaos AD before, we were talking about, uh, I think I had played the song Propaganda, and uh, we, yeah. we talked about the lyrics and how the lyrics were kind of uh, subpar, and I, I think a lot of Max Cavalera's vocal or lyrics at, at some point were always kind of lacking, and Simple. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little of that might be excusable since it was their second language. But I mean, at a certain point, yeah. a certain point, you're you're fluent in English. You know, no matter what, if you've been around, you know, speaking the language <laughs> yes. long enough. So there's no excuses after that. Uh, yeah. At least on that song, the lyrics made sense, and it wasn't just you know, kind of cliche phrases strung together to make a song. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think Max, and, and that's another thing is I don't think Max Cavalera. I haven't really listened to much Sepultura since he left, which he would leave after this record. Um, but I, I would say, in his defense, that he feels every syllable. You know, I, I, I think he's a true believer in his own art. Where mm-hmm. I don't think he's, you know, I think a lot of metal bands sort of drown in their own pretense. And I don't think he's got much of that. He is a true believer of this of yeah. this thing we call metal. You know. He's a he's a real godhead of of the genre. So, well, let's go to a little further. So, we're, let's actually get to the the new millennium. Uh, where does that? Where do we find you around the turn of the century? Well, in the year two thousand, boy, that that just sounds so weird to say. It makes me think of that Conan <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, I was working for the United States Census Bureau. Uh, it was just a temporary oh. job, uh, but uh, I had a coworker who was a former bandmate of mine for a, uh, I was actually for at least maybe, I don't know, a few months, I was in a sort of a ragtag sort of bluesish, jazzy swing influenced band. Uh, we, I don't know if we ever settled on a name, all the names that uh, our bassist threw out were shit, um, but <laughs> Our singer was a guy named uh, Jeff, ironically, and uh, he came to work at the Census Bureau, and he was also a metalhead. How we ended up in the same swing blues, jump blues band, I have no idea, but he uh, wanted to play me the the new Slipknot album, Iowa. It was their second album, and I was aware of them, but I had never really listened to them, and this was kind of like my reintroduction after... Well, let's see. This was before System of a Down, I think. So this was kind of my reintroduction to any kind of hard music or metal uh, with with a pretty significant break of at least two or three years without really listening to any. And I was really happy when I heard this. Uh, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how it stands up now listening back to it. Some of it stands up better than others, but I really liked just the raw, the rawness of it. But at the same time, they weren't afraid to introduce a little melody and, you know, some hooks and stuff as well. So I really, uh, I didn't go crazy listening to it, uh, but certain Mm -hmm. songs really stood out. And uh, the one I wanted to play, uh, coincidentally, I'm sure this is no accident, is song number six on the album. Uh, It's called (laughs) The Heretic Anthem. And I mean, the, the lyrics, I love the lyrics because it's, you know, basically kind of a satanic sort of thing, you know, talking about 666. But I, I love the riff because it's such a simple riff, just executed so well with the double bass drumming. And it just sounds so hard. I just I love the way the song starts. Um, yeah, this this sounds like a protest against all that is holy. Yeah. Yeah. Got a super dread man with a name of drug head, like a 
I hope that calling this album Iowa pissed off some holier-than-thou people in Iowa. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah, there's that song is really brutal. There, there's there's something that Slipknot does, and, and normally they don't write very good songs. I think most of the time they're just making a whole shit ton of noise and they're wearing masks, and that kind of gets old to me as, as an older guy looking back at something. This is kind of what I'm getting at where I'm like, well, this this is kind of embarrassing um, but there's a menace to their sound, no matter what, that I can't deny. It's the perfect band for the, you know, the high school misfit. Right. Um, and, and you know, at the time, few bands scared people. I mean, I guess other than Marilyn Manson. But, you know, Marilyn Manson didn't really, he, he was never really a metal guy, a metal band. No. Was he? It's a, you know, it's more of a, a alternative rock or creep rock or I don't know what you call them, goth rock. Um, he wasn't a tried and true metal presence, and and Slipknot definitely was. Was there a bigger metal band in two thousand than this band? I don't believe so, because yeah, like I like I was saying earlier, uh, System of a Down didn't come out. Well, they were out already, but to- uh, Toxicity didn't they come out until one, and that's when they yeah. really kind of shot up. So yeah, I think Slipknot might have been sort of like the king of the hill at this point. You know, I don't, I don't really, to me, they don't hold up. I mean, they don't quite deserve the, a place in the upper echelon of metal, but I don't really have that big of a problem with them. I mean, I, I you know, if you go through and just hand pick, you know, good songs, you can come up with a pretty decent list of some stuff. I, I don't, I don't mind them that much. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about System of a Down then, shall we? Yes. I mean, in the beginning of the century, I, I I'm I have to say I I was gonna say at the beginning of the century there was no bigger hard rock or metal band, and I'm I'm looking back on it I'm so surprised at their success not because they weren't a good band Toxicity is a a pretty amazing record even in retrospect but you know just the idea that they're that they're a heavy metal band hitting major charts and they released a song about self righteous suicide a week before nine eleven and that still became a hit mm-hmm. that that's that's an amazing hurdle to get over because they were they were included on those lists that Clear Channel would have. You know, they, we strongly encourage our affiliates not to play these songs. I found this album because it was big. It's, I find this interesting that I didn't get back into metal like via some underground thing or some scene or some extreme genre. I got back into it via Top 40, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's so weird to say that System of a Down, a band like System of a Down, occupied spots in the top 40 but it it did it did chart significantly i'm sure um do you remember hearing this on the radio especially chop suey oh absolutely yeah and on mtv as well that video got a lot of airplay were you into it immediately or did you have to come around you oh no no for this right it it got me it got me right away it, <laughs> when this came out i was working for uh, verizon and i carpooled with this guy who uh had questionable morals, but at the time he was hardcore uh, Mormon, and oh. this was on the radio every single day. And I drove him nuts with this song. How did you do that? By, Just by playing? blasting it so loud he couldn't talk over it <laughs> because he really liked to talk. And uh, I just now, now hold on. I have to ask. You can say a lot of things about Mormons, but usually calling them questionable, calling their morality questionable, usually isn't something. Why was this guy's character so iffy? Well, because his uh, Mormonism was sort of, uh, sort of a fad, I guess you could say it was kind of well-timed. He just happened to need 
a lot of stuff and the Mormon church was more than happy to oblige helping him out. Like in terms of, uh, you know, paying his rent, they had to move into a new place. They helped him move. You know, he, I felt like he was just taking advantage of them and sort of going along with all their, uh, guidelines and and whatnot to kind of fit in. And within, I don't know, uh, within a year after that, he was no longer a very devout Mormon. (laughs) Okay. But, but he had a hard time with this because of the, the, Mormon standard. Well, he I mean, just you know, he, he thought it was nothing but noise and just and screaming. And the, the the first time he heard it and he said that right after he said it, it went into the melodic, melodic <laughs> part towards the end. And I was like, what yeah. are you talking about, man? Listen to that beautiful singing. <laughs> it's got melody all over it. You're just not listening. You're, you're close minded. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I always did love System of a Down. I think they'd be accused of selling out or something because they did sort of take a right turn toward middle of the road, you know, in, at least in terms of like, oh, this is a metal band, but now we're going to incorporate harmonies or, or, you know, we're going to, our melodies are going to become even more pronounced. Um, but I always like that about them because it's a really good record with or without those harmonies. And I think it's a really good on-ramp for someone who doesn't normally listen to heavy music. And I think that's, that's why it was so successful. You know, it sort of bridged the gap. I think, uh, I think Ariel's is a really good gateway song. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. it's, it's melodic, it's, it's heavy, but not, not, uh, abrasive really. And so I think, yeah, if you, if somebody listened to Ariel's and then that drew them to this album, they might still, they might still hang on because I, I remember yeah. just the, from the opening notes of a prison song, I was just all in. And, and this was, this was, uh, produced by Rick Rubin, right? I believe so. And it's, it's got that kind of Slayer-esque thing where there's hardly any breaks between songs. So it just never lets up. It's just song after song after song, and you never get to catch your breath, and it just pummels the shit out of you. And then the song that comes right after it is Needles, and Mm -hmm. that song is pummeling. Um, well, yeah, I mean, are you taking us the neck? Well, I actually, I think I, I think I actually might've missed a step here, but that's okay. Um, cause there was a band I was introduced to probably 99 or so. So it kind of, I kind of missed it, but I listened to them on a little into the early two thousands and there, I guess, you'd, I guess, see, I don't know. I, I have a problem with some of the genre labeling and whatnot. I don't know if this is a hardcore mm. band or what they are, um, uh, but Hatebreed is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't know. It's even it's gotten even worse since then. But, um, what, what would you what would you call them? Are they hardcore? No, no. I think they're more in the metal camp, aren't they? I mean, it does kind of sound, you know, ish like it's hardcore, just because I, it's kind of yeah, a I, little more 
boastful than it is heavy. I looked them up on Wikipedia real quick, and it calls them metalcore, which I I just don't. Yeah, all these genres like deathcore, metalcore. There's something else, <laughs> yeah. slam, slam, slam death, or something. It's I don't know. I Hatebreed. Hatebreed does. It's not a band I've typically liked uh, very often because I I do think it's for the mooks. You know, I f- I feel like this this is for sexually repressed dudes or something to get their get their 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 yayas out in the pit or something. It's it, they kind of remind me of uh, it just in, in terms of tone of Five Finger Death Punch, which is one of the worst bands ever. <laughs> what I thought of just as you were saying that, I was like, you know what these guys remind me of? They're like the Pennywise of metal. <laughs> Because they're like they're like the the metal for like jocks and stuff who you know are are not supposed to even yeah. like this kind of music to begin with. Um, well, what do you like? I mean, what are we talking about here? Well, exactly? I, I, I like I said, I, I had a coworker actually at Verizon at the same place who uh, was into to metal and and hardcore and whatnot, and he liked Hatebreed, and I hadn't heard heard them so. This was in my kind of metal drought that I was still kind of making my way out of. So it really hit me pretty hard because I hadn't heard anything quite like it, you know, in in quite a while. Uh, I don't think they really hold up. I think they're really kind of a one note band. But in in sparse rotation, like when I hear them on liquid metal on on Sirius, it's okay. They have a few songs that that I, I, you know, I can get into them for like a song. Um, yeah, but there was one song in particular. I like the music. I like this song, but I cannot get over these lyrics for the life of me. And I'm I'm so glad I finally get to air my grievances with this. Uh, what they, song is it? They have a song called "I Will Be Heard." Yeah, this is one of the few of theirs that I kind of like. Yeah, it's not a bad song. It's just it's just these these lyrics, and it starts right off the bat. It says, "Now is the time for me to rise to my feet." Wipe your spit from my face. Wipe these tears from my eyes. So, okay. So somebody spit on him and he started crying. That's like the least <laughs> badass thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, to be honest, you know how I am about lyrics. I've never even read the lyrics. I don't know what the song's about. I don't know, you know, and I mean, the overall message, I will be heard. Okay, great. You know, I mean, I will yeah. say that about Hatebreed. They're kind of empowering. Like, they're kind of like standing up for yourself, you know, not taking shit. Okay, that's cool. I can I can grant them that. You could see someone going through rehab and needing a song like this, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or protesting something political. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, some of their lesser songs, it's really just it's the same theme, but just really generic lyrics. And, you know, it just uh, they just wear out their wear out their welcome with me. Uh, but this still, uh, that being said, this is, I think, one of their better songs. Now is the time for me to rise to my feet. Wipe your spit from my face. Wipe these tears from my eyes. Now is the time for me to rise to my feet. Wipe your spit from my face. Wipe these tears from my eyes. I've got to take my life back. One chance to make it right. I've got to have my voice be heard and bring meaning to this life. Cause I'm trusted for nothing. I've been led astray. I've been tried and tested, but I won't accept defeat. Now I've done things I regret, and it's time to reverse the wrong.
Yeah, it's weird because the the second half of the song doesn't seem nearly as stupid as the first half. Mm-hmm. Because the second half of the song, it's through the worst we prevail, so our voices will be heard. Like that's all kind of you know. It, I mean, maybe it's a little a little boilerplate, but but it's fine. But the beginning has like this, and I guess I guess this is why they call it metalcore because you know hardcore music. Believe it or not, if you've never paid attention, people. A lot of it has this melodrama, this high drama to it. And this song is no no exception where he says, I got to take my life back. One chance to make it right. Like, why do you have one chance? Right. Are you going to die? Like, yeah, like, you just have this moment? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to have my, I got to have my voice heard and bring meaning to this life. Like, it's it's really like teenage, like 14-year-old boy lyrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seems so silly. And that song's not as good as I remember. <laughs> so, and, but you know, I, I, I will say this about why it's better to be fully into the genre as opposed to on the on the sort of mainstream outskirts of it is because I can point someone to stuff like this only a hundred times better. I mean, so much so much good hardcore music and good metal music that are not nearly as stupid and far more uh, realized. You know, it's it's. I, I guess it's what I'm saying is don't waste your time on hate breed if you don't have to when there's there's such good stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you only, you know, spent a, a moment of time in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, with yeah. Them. It was just kind of like my <laughs> it was just kind of like my wake up call that there was still you know hard music out there that maybe I needed to go ahead and you know reintroduce myself back into it, and then yeah, from there it just kind of exploded. Hey, um, you just mentioned uh, oh, oh, that Hatebreed was a wake-up call. So speaking of wake-up calls, the band I want to talk about next, I'm sure you would like to talk about as well, is uh, Lamb of God. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. We've brought them up before, but I, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to put it in, in personal context for me. Um, I've mentioned the movie Metal A Headbanger's Journey more than once, and I'm sorry to do it again, but I have to because... Um, I believe that movie came out like 05, and I think I saw it that year. Maybe it was the year after. But anyway, uh, the, the the title credits to that movie were were synced up with this song, a song from 2004 off of Lamb of God's uh, Ashes of the Wake album. And I have to say, if if there is a, a, a the best metal song of the new millennium, I think this would be my vote. It's called Laid to Rest. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, honestly... I mean, a case could be made for other songs, but it's not it's not a good case because, uh, yeah, that's a strong contender. And I know I've I've, you know, lodged my complaints about the whole concept of an instant classic. But it, it, even if I did believe in if, if I believe in an instant classic, I think this would be this is a good example. So laid to rest is uh, I, I didn't know this until I was looking up on it. And, and then I started to remember, I'm like, oh, these lyrics actually are kind of political. It's kind of an Iraq war album and, and and you know there were other metal bands at the time that were doing something like this a lot of people in music were pissed off machine head did uh, you know for them anyway i don't think it holds up as well as i think it, it as well as i thought it would have but they had that uh, blackened album that was so good uh but this also has a lot of ties to the iraq war so the lyrics on laid to rest could be seen two ways it's either a narrative through the eyes of a murder victim haunting his murderer uh, but it's also linked to a protest to the Iraq War because much uh, much of the rest of the album is sort of linked lyrically to being against that war. Um, but this is this this song especially. I've listened to all their music. You know, I got I heard this song and it, it really woke me up. Like this this is kind of something I've been waiting for because there's it's just so goddamn catchy and it's so groove oriented and it moves so well. 
And this band is just locked into each other. Randy's vocals, Chris Adler's drumming, and the rest of them are locked into this like watertight songwriting cycle. And the rest of the album isn't perfect, but it's it's, it's exceptionally good. <laughs> metal could be this good at the time i sort of thought all the best metal had been written and that's why i I think i'd kind of moved on from most of it but when i heard this i thought oh my god and this 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 song used to be my gym like my my, um overture for the treadmill you know right i would i would really get moving to this song i I, i've kind of grown to consider them sort of like the kind of like the new evolutionary step of metal. You know what I mean? Like they, they're like a, a rung that I mean, you know, it's, they've been around now for years, so it's, it's kind of gone beyond this now, but yeah, they really took everything to a new level. I mean, the, the riffs, the, the lyrics, I, I kind of consider them more of an, one of the more intellectual metal bands, which is an odd thing to say out loud, really, when you think about it, an intellectual metal I, band. I, I, I couldn't agree more though, because they're, it's funny because I was complaining at the top of the show about how metal, I think I was saying people sort of assume this is for the mooks, this is for the idiots, you know, mm-hmm. but but it's it, it's such a misunderstanding. It's an incredible miscalculation of the genre to say that. And Lamb of God is a really good example of what metal really can be and, and often is. One of my, my biggest complaints about them for a long time, which I've kind of grown to just deal with now, I just got over it, but I'll, some, I don't know which albums they are because I really just kind of discovered them within the past like three years or so. Uh, so I'm still mm-hmm. working my way through all their stuff. So some of their albums, I, I get them all confused, but it, some of their albums, the the drumming, it just sounds kind of weird. Like the I heard uh, somebody compare the bass drums to like air guns. It just oh yeah has this weird sound, and I, I've just gotten used to it now, so it's no big deal. But it almost put me off at first. Like I couldn't get into it because it sounded so odd to me but that aside the drumming is amazing because chris adler is a fucking beast the riffs are amazing their the guitar sounds are great you can hear the bass which is not the case with a lot of metal randy Bly's, like i said his lyrics are are really really good but you can also understand them despite his like his voice you know his singing so it's just like the total package really and you know this this album matches the wake uh it it i find this so funny i never would have guessed a lot that a lot of these well i guess that's not true but when you think of metal you don't think of it being you don't think of it as charting and yet this on the billboard 200 which is the album chart it got all the way up to number 27 oh wow well, and, and this gets us at least to, what did I say, 06, 04, something like that. Where where are you at this time or, or further? Uh, I don't know. I think maybe somewhere around 
eight. I'm not sure exactly where I, I stumbled upon this next uh, band. This is where one of our slight uh, differences, because um, these guys, uh, this is a French metal band, which is really weird. I've listened to their live stuff, and it, it's weird to hear them shred a song and then at the end say bonjour, or, you know, whatever they say. <laughs> yeah. What's that's not that's that's not right. Uh, what is it? Merci. Merci. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it's just really weird to hear Merci after a, a metal song. But yeah. uh, Gojira uh, stumbled onto my radar. Uh, I was reading something on Reddit and uh, about metal vocalists, ironically, and somebody mentioned uh, Joe. I want to say I, I hope I'm pronouncing right. I think the last name is Duplantier. Maybe I don't know, but uh, they mentioned him for vocals. And uh, there was a long thread of people commenting about Gojira, so I decided to check them out, and I really, really dug them a lot. They have a tendency to stretch their songs out a bit too long for they me do. from time to time, but um, I'm usually willing to forgive that because, man, they just hammer some riffs, and I, I really like their drummer as well. I think he's just a machine. Um, yeah. You actually saw them live once. I haven't seen them yet. How I have some really great shots of them from the when they opened for Metallica. Yeah, and I'm assuming that was the same show with uh, Avenged Sevenfold as well, right? Ugh, don't remind. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna yes, say yes, I would that assume the that they were better than Avenged Sevenfold. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know my my only complaint about Gojira. I guess two complaints. I would agree with you that they tend to pad the the, the runtime of their songs and albums, um, but they're 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 kind of off-puttingly technical to mm-hmm. me. Um, in, in a way, that's really amazing. They're like they're they're there's they're like a brand new twenty dollar bill. They're really crisp. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 production is without mistakes at, at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it kind of takes some of the some of the blood and gore or humanity, whatever you want to call it, out of out of their sound, and and that. It's not I have a problem with it. It's just that I kind of get bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do acknowledge they're an exceptionally talented group of guys. Yeah, I, I put a, took a pretty deep dive into them. I've, I've you know, backed off a little bit because I, I got a little burned out. But uh, I think they're going to have something new coming out this year. So I'm kind of curious because the last album, they took a little bit more of a step towards slightly more, you know, commercial sounding stuff. Yeah. But I, I was trying to think I could I could pick a, a ton of songs to kind of... Uh, introduce someone to Gojiro or you know highlight what I like about him but I think the best song just for the initial blast it gives is Explosia always sing in, in the same language always always French or is it always English I can't remember I believe it's always English 
I'm not entirely sure. Oh, is sure. it? Okay. And I didn't realize until uh, we were listening to it that I picked something from their 2012 album. I should have, by rights, picked something a little older because I initially started listening to older stuff, but oh, it doesn't really matter. No, I think it's good. I think it's good to get. I, I was actually going to mention a different Lamb of God song, but Lay Duress is kind of the best, the best, uh, like I said, on ramp. So, mm-hmm. in case you're wondering, I actually, while we were listening to that, I looked this up because I always knew it to be true, but I wanted to confirm. Yes, they used to be called Godzilla, <laughs> and, they, and then they changed their name to Gojira. I'm sure for obvious reasons. I'm imagining that was a, a legal loophole or a legal hurdle. Yeah, that probably get over, so. so. Well, I'm going to jump forward to, let's call it 2010. I, I had started to pick it back up at this point. I had listened to a, a lot of heavy, you know, like Lamb of God, Slayer. I, I'd even gone kind of gone back in time because I'd, I'd never really gotten into, say, um, Rain and Blood. And I got I got into that. And, and so a little bit of... You know, teaching myself the history of the genre, but also moving forward. Um, and then I found a band that I mentioned to you before, but I don't think I've ever played them on the show, and I'm glad to do it. But it's not without controversy. Um, the band I, I want to talk about is August Burns Red. Have you ever heard them? Yeah, they had a song that was played on uh, on the radio pretty frequently for a while, and I didn't necessarily love the song. I didn't have a problem with it. I, I just I didn't really love it. But the guitar solo. I don't really mm. pay much attention to guitar solos uh, in in metal because they all tend to border on wankery. But this guitar yes. solo on this August Burn Red song it was um, by a mile my favorite guitar solo because it was it just had the most character. It was a little more melodic and it just had some some flavor to it that so much metal doesn't have. I wish to God I could think of the name right. of the song, but I'll, I'll, I'm sure we'll find it by the time we send this to to air. But uh, yeah, I, I think they, they sound pretty good. You know, they've been—they're called melodic metalcore, and I think that's—that's that's almost like it. Um, it's like a scarlet letter or something. I don't—I don't know what it is about the the metal community at large. They do not like this band. I think they see it as as bubblegum for metal, and I don't—I sincerely do not understand that. You know, I missed a word. Who who does, who doesn't like it? Just the kind of the metal community oh, at large. Metal, like they are not like legit metal because they're Christian, or is that what? Well, it is? they're Christian. They're they're clean cut. They're from Florida, so I kind of get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't get it because they've been around since 2003, and that's what I mean. Not really around. That's when they formed. When they were all in high school, uh, and and to be honest, they they do kind of look like frat boys, kind of douchebaggy a little bit. Uh, and then you, com- you you combine that with, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say that they're, in fact, I, I, I know they wouldn't agree that they're evangelizing. And I would also say, I don't think they're evangelizing, but their lyrics do kind of reflect their Christianity a little bit. Um, and even calling it a little bit is a little disingenuous. But anyway, they don't shove it down the audience's throat. Mm-hmm. Guitarist J.B. Brubaker, uh, who's probably the guy behind the solo that you liked, he says Christianity is a religion, not a musical style, and that is, in a nutshell, something I've I've felt always. I'm, you know, even when I was stocking the the religious, or I can't remember what we called it at the music store, Christian. Uh, you know, yeah. wh- wherever you put all the all the gospel and and Kirk whatever is Kirk Franklin shit, you know. Right. Um, I get that you want to find spiritual music, but you know. I feel like um, anytime we run across a band who happens to have a religious belief, this is a problem now. Like they're they're a Christian band, and and that's kind of what these guys have. They're like, well, we're Christians, but that's kind of an accident. We we're not a Christian band. We mm-hmm. we're more about 
music and as opposed to evangelizing. And I really appreciate that. And you know what? I think it served them well. And and on top of this whole thing about I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably protesting a bit too much, but these guys are tour dogs. And they've earned their stripes as far as I'm convinced. So everyone who doesn't who doesn't who's hating on them just for being them can fuck right off. <laughs> My favorite things about that band, I forgot to point it out, are these these arcing dual guitar harmonizing. Uh, it's it's really dramatic in a good way. I always really appreciated what the two guitars were doing and how they interplayed. I like their sound a lot, and I you know it's weird. I I never even knew until I think that I think you were probably the one who, who brought it up. I had no idea they were even a Christian band. And it struck me ever since. I, I don't know. I just kind of stumble upon it when I find out that there's a, at least a good handful of really strong, you know, Christian metal bands. And I think at least on some degree, it has to be with the fact that they are not so ham fisted with it anymore. You know, it's not like Striper, yeah. you know, songs aren't like to hell with the <laughs> yes. devil and things like that. But, you know, just a quick scan of some of the better known like Christian metal bands. There's like the Devil Wears Prada uh, under yeah, oath. architects is one yeah as uh, under oath as i lay dying uh, there's a demon hunter actually has a song out right now and it's a little lightweight for my taste but it's a good song i mean i have no you know no yeah. issue with it so i i think christian metal has come a long way since striper well i think i think being less gimmicky is a good a good call regardless absolutely yeah uh, and and i and i hate to say it but if you're billing yourselves based on your religious beliefs you know, that's like gloss being like, we're trans, yeah. buy a record because we're trans. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not why people buy records. You know, people don't buy records to make a political statement. Right. It's just another gimmick. I think it, it undercuts actual music. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, you need to focus on your songwriting and your execution more than you do your gimmick. So, well, that gets us to about 2000, let's see, Messengers came out in 06, 07, maybe 09, okay. something like that. I found Gojira, and then from there I was kind of just kind of finding what I could, where I could, and then everything exploded for me probably around 15 or 16, 2015, 2016. You mean personally? Yeah, that's when I finally uh, was given the gift that has literally kept on giving. I was given my own Sirius XM radio Uh and uh, was able to indulge and start catching up on all the metal that I had missed and uh, hear everything that's new. And that's the best part, hearing things as they come out and you, you can yeah. kind of make notes what you want to follow up with and whatnot. The, my biggest complaint about them, I wish they would display uh, either the year or the album something is off of when they're playing it because I, you yeah. know that opened up a whole new world for me and I would hear something and not have any idea is this new, is this old, is this, uh, you know, 
a popular song? Is this a deep cut? You know, what is it? Um, right. Now, I don't really want to, we're, we're trying to cram so much music into this that I don't necessarily want to, to play it unless you want to try and just ease it in the background maybe while I'm talking. But well, the first song that stuck out in my head when I got SiriusXM was from a band that I, I don't even know if they were signed at the time. It might have been a demo, and I haven't heard of them since, so I don't know if they're still around. They're called Fall of Humanity, and they had a song. You know, you know what we can do is we can do a lightning round at the end if you want. Oh, okay. You want we'll to just you know give a quick opinion and we'll play a thirty second snip okay. or something. Yeah, we can do that then. I'll just hold off on that then. Uh, what? Where are we then if we're not there? Well, uh, that kind of takes me up to like twenty sixteen, I think, like body count or so. Yeah, sure. So um, that because that's I you know once I kind of got my bearings back on metal again and got used to listening to it again, I think that was the first record that really stood out to me because it was a surprisingly strong record uh, for so many reasons. Surprising because well, you've got a frontman in his fifties. Um, he's a mainstream <laughs> television star, uh, and he's a rapper, uh, and one of the original, uh, literally OG rappers. It, OG, yeah. it just and that they made the most relevant metal record of of that year of 2016. And it's like how how did this all happen? This is just well, amazing. And, and body count was body count was. Speaking of gimmicks, I always kind of thought they were gimmicky in a way that was not good at all. You know, the cop killer certainly got its share of, of um, controversy, but I don't, I don't know if that translated to fans. You know, I didn't, I didn't follow them. I didn't listen to them. Right. And yet somehow they were just kind of like quietly trudging along making music. And I think, honestly, I feel like that's kind of what, what their success now is owed to is just the fact that maybe because they had, Ice-T as a lead singer, they had the means to just continue making music, even though they may not have had a lot of popularity or, you know, like they had a yeah. way to keep going. And I think they just got better. I mean, if you do something that much, you're going to get better eventually. I've got no plans for getting loot legal. All black gear on, 12 inch suppressor, 44 Desert Eagle, laying in your parking lot, creeping in your lobby. No problem pushing holes through your fucking body. You can't escape me. If I want what you got, you can't evade me. No chance to call a cop. I'm doing my job. This is just what I do. You make the money, I come and visit you. I gotta get paid. I gotta get paid. I gotta get paid. The ski mask way. I gotta get paid. I gotta get paid. And you know, this was always a side gig for Ice, and I and I don't know what the other guys were doing, but just looking at their albums, they only have four. Oh, really? Over twenty over twenty five years. Oh, wow. yeah. You know, the, the thing I really like about Bloodlust is that um, take take the I don't really know the middle albums, but I know the first album a little bit, and I think the the thing about the first album is, is I don't think the band was very good. Yeah, uh, I think Ice Ice T was probably the strongest part of of the band at that point. You fast forward to two years ago on Bloodlust, and the band is way better than Ice T. Definitely, like the, yeah, so so much better. They've come so far, but it, which is funny because they're like you said, they're all in their fifties. I think they're all in their fifties, aren't they? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Bloodlust was mostly known for "No Lives Matter." Are we going to talk about that? Yeah, that's. I think that's probably the strongest song on the album. But I mean, the other songs okay. are are good. They're they're all fairly strong there's a couple that i uh, you know 
Ice-T's just got a way about him. He's managed to just make his style work instead of really adapting. Yeah. He's just kind of made it. So I respect that. But at the same time, every so often he says something or has a lyric and I'm like, oh, God, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he strikes me as one of those guys that likes the sound of his own voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I think No Lives Matter is a pretty great song as well, and the album overall is definitely a B plus, if not better. Uh, and there it has guest appearances by uh, Lamb of God's Randy Blythe, uh, Max Cavalera, and unfortunately, but I don't, at least he's I don't think he's vocalizing on Civil War. But Dave Mustaine shows up on this album. <laughs> right. Shit about Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yeah. No Lives Matter sort of starts off with this you know, non-musical soliloquy about the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and, and he is saying something, a, a pro-Black Lives message, but then it kind of, the, the actual song goes more the metal way, where it's like, no, we're all going to hell, or, you know, whatever it is. Well, it, yeah, and it just kind of says how it's more, like, about poor people than anything else. Once we realize we're all on the same side, Just, just a monster riff, and even, even the, the, the I, I want to say the pre-chorus, maybe it's the chorus when that, when it changes key and, and it just, it kicks so hard. Mm -hmm. I just love it. I think my, my favorite. I mean, I like the whole, you know, theme of the song, and, and the lyrics are all, you know, pretty good. But my favorite part though is there's a, a line I think in like maybe the second or third verse, and he's talking about. Um, how it's all about the poor and whatever. And he just yells, this is basic shit. I just love that. That's <laughs> yes. just the whole line. This is basic shit. Yeah. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's explaining all these and these lyrics are pretty wordy because he's not singing. Yeah. You know, he, he crams a lot of words in there. But yeah. It's, you're right. That's a really good, it's I, just basic shit, y'all. Yeah. I'm really curious how they're going to, you know, follow follow that up because that was their highest profile record i mean right most su successful and most acclaimed uh, no no the first one had a rolling stone cover i think but but i get your point it's it was still a, a pretty big success where and they had gone away for a long well time. and i mean that rolling stone shit that was all just based on cop killer right i mean not like actual quality music yeah. so uh, right i think they right, might yeah. i wonder if they just feel more pressure now you know like to follow up <laughs> something well i don't think so i don't think ice feels pressure from anybody i think he's got it on pretty pretty good <laughs> so i don't know but the, the band itself is in great form i'm i'm really glad to hear that they've got a new record coming out this year i, I never would have imagined detective tutuola would be like you know leading the charge of like top metal albums of the 2010s uh well uh should we move forward i i'm actually you moved ahead of me i'm still in 2013 oh that's fine what um, have you got and i I don't know how you feel about this band. I, I'm I'm imagining you're not a fan, and and to be honest, I I have a love, not hate, but it's a tedious love because they do not write short songs. <laughs> you know, mm. they're they're uh, this is Deaf Heaven, all one word, Deaf Heaven. And um, in 2013, they put out this record called Sunbather. It was a huge critical hit, 
for good reason. It's well, this is a post metal band, which is kind of a label I agree with because it it somehow uses elements of certain metal genres, uh, you know, some some of the more niche uh, corners of metal, and sort of puts it into their own mold. You know, they they kind of adopt these these metal genres at the same time as they reject them in a way. If uh, that probably doesn't make sense. But I discovered it sometime around its release, and I was surprised as to sit back and watch it become a critical darling. Uh, but Sunbather, it was weird because Sunbather's more of a black metal album than anything. But luckily it comes with uh, Carrie McCoy's jaw-dropping guitar theatrics. And, you know, I'm not even, like you were saying, metal and guitar solos and stuff. It, a lot of metal guitar is wankery. Um, but, man, th- this could have been a really, really run-of-the-mill black metal record uh because the you know screaming vocals and and uh breakneck uh, percussion and 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 somehow they turn into these i'm sorry to say joby they turn into these long (laughs) songs but they're so so beautiful and it's not something metal gets called very often About that kind of the way I feel about them in general. So, this came out. You said in 2013. Is that right? I believe so. Okay, so it would have been then probably December of 2013. I had found uh, Gojira and was kind of like getting myself back into to metal. And you know, I had still been listening to some of the you know older metal we talked about. You know, so I was listening mm-hmm. to, to Slayer and whatever else. You know, um, and I I clicked on a list of the whatever, however many, the best uh, metal albums of 2013. And I was fascinated at how many I had never heard of that. And, you know, that's why I was like, wow, I really need to get back into, into some metal. Uh, and deaf heaven was number one. And yeah. I said, who the fuck is deaf heaven? <laughs> and I was like, wow, man. And they really raved about it. I mean, really, really yeah. loved it. So I thought, well, I've got to listen to this. And uh, I went and put on Sunbather and I could not make heads or tails of it. I, I, I feel like they are one of the top, like two, two or three bands that I just, I feel like something's missing. I, I'm missing something because I just don't quite get it it doesn't (laughs) compute to me it's not an easy band to parse out you know it's it's it kind of comes all in one capsule uh to hear it it's difficult to hear it's it's different moving parts um maybe as a drummer it helps for me because um his name is um daniel tracy the drummers is a very talented dude Mm -hmm. and he's able to really fit some fills in there where there really is barely room Mm-hmm. And and it's something else. Um, but 
I guess I'm saying if you can break down each piece as opposed to just listening to it as like, here's a song. This is just the one. Like, there's there's a lot going on. And I could say that this is like a thinking man's metal, and that's why metal purists don't like it. And maybe that's partially true. But also, it's really weird. It's a weird sound. It's not for everyone mm-hmm. but at all. And, and actually, aside from Dreamhouse and the closing track, The Pecan Tree, a lot of this album I get lost in. Uh, so I'm not pretending that it's the best thing ever, um, but it's pretty good still. Well, <laughs> especially especially Dreamhouse. Well, I don't um, <laughs> I I don't feel compelled enough to go out of my way to listen to them. But that being yeah. said, I try to give them any every benefit of the doubt whenever I hear them. I like I sure. really try to listen closely and really pay attention, you know, because they they had a new album out uh, last year. And uh, the lead single, uh, Honeycomb, you know, they got a decent amount of airplay on Sirius. It did. And every time it came on, I would turn it up and I would listen and I would really pay attention. And I just couldn't get it. I was like, I'm still not hearing it. What (laughs) is it? So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll forever be trying to to get it. So hopefully one day I'll I'll say, hey, guess what? It clicked. I get it. Uh, I would I would call this a lot of metal doesn't doesn't get deserve this this label but I would say Def Heaven Sunbather in particular is a headphone record. If you put on headphones and just lie back and and just kind of zone out to it or maybe if you just look at a comic book or something, you know, something where you know, I don't even know if you need to pay really close attention, but I think after a while it'll get to you. It but it kind of it kind of moves like a film score. It's not it will not meet you halfway there. You have to meet it. So Hmm. Which is probably more work than a lot of people want to put into a metal record. Yeah, that could be. So where does that leave us? I think we've each had about five, four. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All I really had left was just uh, you know some of the the newer the newer crop of of bands, sort of like the future, I guess you could say, the future of metal and the bands that have me kind of excited and hopeful. And I know we have a lot of uh, the same, you know, a lot of bleed over there too. Well, let's do let's. Let's do a lightning round. What do you say? Yeah, that'll work. Uh, well, let's see. The first one I had as far as like kind of the new school was Harm's Way. I really dig them a lot. Yeah, see, that's that's pretty decent metalcore. I need to spend more time with Harm's Way. Um, and, you know, I, I was just thinking, I don't know if we'll, we'll cut that into the show, but you and I were sort of having a conversation about how people quibble about the differences in metal, like metalcore versus something a little more purely metal or death metal or something. And, you know, I guess if I'm comparing anything uh, to this, say, like um, something more traditional like Cannibal Corpse, you know, still extreme, but but a sort of a more traditional type of metal. I, I want to say that a lot of a lot of metal fans like just being kind of awash in in a in a, a lake. That's kind of like our friend Mike Clayton who listens. I think he's really into only so much metal and uh, where you take metal core or something like Harm's Way. I think they want waves. If you're going to be in the water, you want to move. Right. And uh, I don't think all I think metal guys, a lot of metal guys have more in common with shoegaze than they think. Like they kind of just want to bang their head or, or move in the pit at the most. And and got people like Harm's Way or Vane or Turnstile, 
they they want a little more action than that. And I, I guess I do see the difference. Right. I'm going to throw a band at you that actually has its own trouble. There's been some controversy with a former member, a female member, um, having a problem with the front man. And I don't think it was sexual abuse. I don't. I think it was more just, it was almost like a hostile work environment. I can't exactly remember. Uh, but these guys, uh, you know, they start off right in 2011 with an album that's kind of so-so. But then they, in 2012, they put out All Hail the Void. Production on this is great. It just sounds, oh, it sounds tight. It sounds heavy. Yeah, I like that a lot. What else do you have for a for a lightning? Well, the one band I mentioned earlier, um, I honestly don't know how this is going to hold up because I haven't heard them uh, since they were on Sirius back when I first got it. Uh, but it's one of the first songs I remember really catching my attention. Uh, it's a band called Fall of Humanity, and uh, they have a song called Hulk Blood. Yeah, see, I kind of like that. That that to me, that's what I wish bands like um, uh, Hatebreed sounded like. Right. Yeah. You know, a little a little more emphasis on on the arrangement and the music as opposed to the vocals. Uh, I feel like, and, and this is heavier than Hatebreed, I think. So yeah, there you definitely. go. Definitely. What uh, what have you got next? Why don't I do one more and then anything else? Let's just add it to the playlist and people can enjoy. Um, it'll be under a, a, episode two oh something. Um, or maybe even higher than that by the time this gets out, since it's a bonus episode. But, uh, you know, I've got a couple more, but I think more than anything, I'd like people to know about uh, a band from Finland. Oh, God, I think they're from Finland. Norway. I'm sorry, they're from Norway. Uh, called Kvellertak. They are kind of like a bastardized ACDC, I guess. No, that's not even fair, because they're not really doing like a bluesy rock. It's just... There's there's more of a traditional rock element to this. There's like a but there's like a balls out nature to it, and they're not trying to blast your face off. They're it's more like they're they're playing heavy music in an attempt to start an orgy or something. I don't know <laughs> I don't know how exactly I come across these these uh, metaphors, but uh, I'm gonna play a song for you called I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's M J O D, but the O has a line through it. Oh, okay. So I think it's a flat O. It's Majod. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
I think that's a nice uh, a nice change of pace. It's it's nice to you know you need to break up some of the constant palm muting and you know growly vocals and stuff. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's almost like Andrew WK got real hard in Norwegian. Right. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I was just going to say, I know that we both meet, uh, kind of meet up with uh, like Code Orange, so that'll be on the playlist. I've also got Meshuggah on there, a song off of Obzin, which I think is now from like 2011 or 9 or something like that. Uh, oh, sorry, 2008. There's a song called Combustion. It's a really good introduction to something heavier and technical. And you know what else I'm throwing on there? Angel of Death. Because Slayer should always be on a metal playlist, one. And two, I didn't get into Rain and Blood until I was at least 30 years old. So there you go. Hey, listeners, thanks for listening. But that nearly does it for us here. Uh, You've made it to the end of episode who knows what. Please give us a follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ringing Ear, on Twitter and Instagram, at The Ringing Ear. You can, uh, you can harass us directly on social media, at Jeff Nell on Twitter, at Books of Joe, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are glad to offer each and every episode of this show for free, which includes all of our <laughs> wonderful content on the website where you can find reviews, links to our Spotify playlists, uh, and photo galleries, killboringmusic.com. That is killboringmusic.com. Your antidote to the middle age musical doldrums. Is that directed at me? Are you po- poking at my age again? <laughs> uh, no, no, at, at both of us, okay. clearly. And, uh, and your ally in the crusade against boring music. This episode was produced by your friends Jeff Nail and Ken Joby, and our intro music was written by uh, Eat Sleep Catapult. Unsigned artists, please consider sending your tunes to us at killboringmusic.com to be featured in our spotlight. That's killboringmusic.com slash contact. I guess playing us out is without sacrifice, and the name is... Existential angst, I think, is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. You got a chance to listen to this one? Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. They had, they had mentioned a couple others. Um, I don't know if they have a single per se, but uh, you know, I, I don't think they'd mind if we played something of our own choosing. So, yeah, I think this is the one we should the, go. The with. The thing is, is there's there's a lot of their stuff that's more in the new metal vein, and I don't know about you, but I try to avoid that, and especially since the last song we played was kind of a pure version of metal, and I really liked it, so I kind of wanted something similar uh, for this. So yeah, okay. Existential Anx, it, it sounds like a good enough one to me. So Okay, so here we go. To play us out then of this very special metal episode is Without Sacrifice with Existential, existential Angst. Boy, that should good be job. on a sobriety test. Say Existential. <laughs> um, so uh, that does it for us. This is Joby. And this is Jeff. We are reminding you, as always, to fight the good fight. Reject the rudimentary. Slay the simple, please. Try to murder the mundane while you're at it. Kill the boring. And for the love of all that's unholy, be sure to keep your ears ringing. Oh!
Come here.